8.43 still to come on Metro. We have the bridge from 9 to 12. While there's so much on the go as far as uh, the impact of COVID-19 is concerned, the world is on lockdown. And deeper into that, South Africa is on lockdown. And with that comes a range of realities, implications, and knock-on effects. Suppose one of the single biggest ones is the economy and how that directly impacts on what the government is able to do, what companies are able to do, and what you are able to do to survive this period and what is at stake. We've seen jobs are at stake, companies are at stake, the economy is at stake. There's so much going on. But the government has been put in a position where they've had to come up with some interesting ideas on how to provide some relief. And we heard from State President Cyril Ramaphosa, amongst many ideas, to assist is this uh, TERS, the Temporary Employee Employer Relief Scheme, which is some sort of aid to assist companies and employees. So we need to get more detail on this, particularly on how to access it and how it will ultimately work. So let's unpack it and break it down. Franklin Mbiriri joins us on the line, an associate at Mutwening Bill Attorneys Incorporated. Good morning. Welcome. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So we can try and look at it in many ways, but if we were to simplify it, my understanding is that TERS is a relief fund which is aimed at giving relief to companies or employers and employees. How do we break that down? Well, I think there's a bit of a uh, misconception regarding the actual benefits that uh, this relief scheme provides. Mm. Does not provide any uh, assistance to the employer or the company. It's primarily for the employees. Mm-hmm. So what the employer does is they act as a middleman between the UIF and the employee. They facilitate uh, the payment uh, in terms of the relief uh, fund from the UIF to the employer to the employee. So the employer himself or herself doesn't get anything at all. Mm, mm, mm. No, no. Which, which is important um, when you narrow it down to that because we are dealing with people's livelihoods here. So how do we access it as employees? Well, there are requirements that have to be satisfied. And these are set out in the directive. It's accessible at uh, there's an online site, the South African government online site, uh, www.gov.za you go to documents and then you go to notices and then it's free to download so once you have it there's a combination of provisions which then uh, set out the requirements mm, mm, mm. this is provision 3.1 and 3.7 and 5.3 so just to quickly set out the requirements first of all the employer must have closed down its operations for a period of three months or less, and the closure of the business must have been as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. It can't be for any other reason. It has to be strictly the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. So obviously, businesses that are performing essential services are not included. Mm. Now, that's the first requirement. Mm. The second requirement is that the closure of the business must result in financial distress. The fortunate part about the directive is that it doesn't define what financial distress is. Mm. But from a general perspective, uh, financial distress 
means that the financial obligations of a business outweigh the income being generated by a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So the third requirement is that the employer must be registered with the unemployment insurance fund. Now, this only makes sense because the relief scheme comes directly from the unemployment insurance fund. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fourth uh, requirement sure, sure. is that, is that uh, the employer must comply with the prescribed online application procedure. Now, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute because uh, this procedure has its own sub-requirements, which are quite involved. There are several documents that have to be completed and submitted in order for the application to be received and for the UIF to process. Before it even processes the payment, it has to uh, verify if everything is uh, up to date and is in order. And then after a certain amount of time, it uh, releases payment. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let, lot, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to jump in there, I mean, you you talk a lot about the um, employer having to facilitate this process um, and and make sure that things run smoothly. From uh, an employee perspective, I mean, what are the criteria there? Well, the employee employee doesn't have to do anything. They just have to uh, wait for the employer to. Uh, initiate the, the, the process on on their behalf. Mm. So it's all in the hands of the employer mm. and, in the, and the bargaining council. So the bargaining council becomes involved in the instance where the employer has more than 10 employees. Franklin, Franklin, this is Owen speaking. I wanted to ask you, with regards, you mentioned the employer having to go through this and apply, obviously, for uh, funding to be released by the uh, release scheme. But what is the time frame we're talking about? So if somebody submits today, what time period are you looking at before they get paid out? Okay, so the director says that it has a lifespan of three months from the time that uh, the directive was issued. So the directive was issued on the 26th of March. Mm. So three months after that is somewhere around the 26th of June. Mm. So that's when this directive will lapse. Mm. Mm. But uh, employers shouldn't uh, wait for the last minute because the minister can actually withdraw the directive at any time. So this is an, an instance where the UIF becomes overwhelmed with application and applications from employers where it becomes impractical for the UIF to continuously make payments. Mm-hmm. So it's advisable for employers that are financially distressed uh, as a result of the COVID-19 and have shut their doors to make an application as soon as yesterday. Mm, indeed. Uh, and, no. and I guess one of the biggest things that you have alluded to is the fact that the the onus is on the employer to initiate the process, to follow the procedure, and to really keep their eyes and ears on the ball, which um, is important. And we often assume that every employer has the employee's best interest at heart, but it's not always the case. I mean, is there anything to to get employers to really go, go for this and, and do what they need to do? Well, it's, it's really... Uh more of good faith on the part of the employer. Mm. Really, if, if it's in the best interest to 
to uh, of of the employer to do what is best for your own employee for your own employees uh, because if an employee despite uh, um, the COVID-19 virus pandemic and not being able to work is still receiving some kind of salary, some kind of monetary relief, mm. then, you know, you can expect that that employee might be, will be able to resume work if this uh, pandemic subsides. Mm. Mm. So it's trying to keep employees afloat. Yeah, which is absolutely important. In these difficult times, Franklin, we'll leave it there for now. We appreciate your time. Franklin Biriri, an associate at Mutwening Bill Attorneys Incorporated, on tariffs and how it works, what employers need to do, and how it ultimately benefits employees. It's nine to nine.